Hello, welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fed Talks. How's everybody doing? Uh, I took last. Look, I have to hold my microphone by hand today, so you're probably there. There's a chance you're going to get some uh, some uh, unintentional sound. Uh, I am having serious recording uh, equipment issues, and I'm sort of at the point where I might have to buy an expensive microphone. And that doesn't seem worth it for, for uh, you know, a, a podcast with with so few listeners. But uh, it might also then be good when I record audio for a town called Science. Uh, this is just something I'm dealing with. It's not important to you. Uh, so, but that's just me apologizing if uh, I jerk the microphone and you get uh, weird sound artifacting or something. I apologize. Uh, I also apologize for not having an episode last week. Uh, although I did, I, I, I told everybody. It was clear. I was on vacation. Uh, I just want to talk about that real briefly. Uh, first, I, I do have a, a, a story where I was, when I went through the TSA in Chicago. Okay, here's the thing. As frequently discussed on here, I have been losing, uh, I've been losing weight enough weight that if I was using a plan that cost money, they'd have me on commercials. Uh, I bought smaller pants recently because my old pants were too big, but when it came time to travel, I'm going to be spending a whole day on trains and planes. I, I wanted to, I figured I'd just wear my old pants because they're broken in, they're soft. It'll just be more comfortable and that's fine. But I forgot you have to take off your belt when you go through the, the checkpoint. And when I did that, I realized there is absolutely no way these things are staying up. And you have to stand in that tube and put your hands in the air. And uh, I told the guy outside the tube, I said, hey, just to let you know, my pants are going to come down because they're too big. Uh, I know there's nothing we can do about it now, but I I just want you to be aware. And, you know, if maybe you want to block the view of the hundred people in line behind me. And no luck. Sure enough, they fell down. So many people saw me in my underwear. Just a shocking number. And, uh... Then sometimes you get pulled out of that thing and then you have to have additional screening. And a lot of times it's like, like if the density of your scan is off, you know, so that would indicate uh, you had something strapped to you maybe. And I get pulled out all the time the last few times I've traveled. And I, I have realized now it's probably because of my hernia, which is much denser than just EJ would be. So I think that's maybe the reason. And, uh, so they have to pull you aside and they have to really just feel you up. And it's not, a, you know, it slows you down a little and it sucks that normal people get to walk past you and be glad they don't have a hernia. But uh, he is, the fellow's doing this. And uh, I asked if I could hold my pants up while he does it. And no, I have to keep my arms out. And uh, that meant I was just standing there, pants around my ankles while this dude is just going straight up my legs uh, 
Hey, I just had a weird glitch, and I don't know if it was still recording. Um, we've got a storm coming, not in the QAnon sense, but in the actual literal storm sense, so I'm not going to have time to go back and edit. So I will just reiterate that they would not allow me to hold my pants up, and this guy is just straight up feeling me up with my pants around my ankles, and I'm like, you really don't even need to go up my leg because my entire leg is exposed to O'Hare Airport. Uh, but that was the worst thing that happened to me in several days, so it was a delight. A delightful trip. Uh, I went to visit my friend Summer, uh, who you know from me saying nice things about, and I always sort of I have a weird thing where I, where I always feel bad if I use her name on the podcast because uh, <laughs> she's so cool. I feel like it would be embarrassing for her if people knew we were friends, which is crazy, which is just a total internal thing caused from many years in the past of that actually happening to me. Uh, but it was great. Uh, a very cool thing is, uh, like, when I go out to visit, she's still living her normal life like for me it's a vacation for her, she's still got you know work and family and stuff and that's that she's still in her home and uh which is kind of inequitable if you ask me and it is it is very uh kind of her to to make time for me despite still having her usual schedule it's uh uh, you know, very much appreciate it. She's, you know, you know, I'm going to say it right now, uh, because I probably should have said, said this in real life, but I'm bad at talking. So, uh, let me, let me tell you about my awesome friend Summer is, uh, <laughs> like I said, she's awesome. Uh, given my, my age and my, uh, my sort of social anxieties and to be honest, my personality, I never, I did not think I was going to make any more friends, like, period. I thought that part of my life when I met people and I liked them was over. And uh, so not only making a new friend, but a, a really, a really good friend who I'm, you know, genuinely excited about having in my life, if that makes sense. Uh, that's really cool. That is something I did not see coming at this phase in my life and likability level. Uh, and as I said, I have, have some real anxiety about meeting people. I don't like to, uh, to do that. And, uh, before we met in person, I was so, I was so very nervous that possibly I had misrepresented myself and real EJ would be extremely disappointing. And I was just ready to, uh, to, to see that disappointment happen in real time and just feel bad. Like I was, I was prepared for that. I knew what was happening and instead, uh, just immediately made me more comfortable than I've ever been in my life with a person. Uh, so, uh, I'm putting this up front because, uh, uh, this way she can hear me say things I should have said in person. And, uh, then she doesn't have to listen to the rest of the episode because, Honestly, she's a busy person who does not need to know my up-to-date rankings of the American Pie franchise. Uh, so my point is, Summer's rad. I'm very thankful for her for hosting me and for being a good friend uh, and just generally uh, a wonderful person who I will also mention at the end of the episode 
in conjunction with an ad. Uh, I should, because I think it's mostly going to be movie talk today, that uh, means I finally saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We, I, was, I was waiting to see it with her on my trip. And, uh, guys, <laughs> it whips ass. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it is, here's the thing is, I am a huge Sam Raimi fan. And a lot of directors, when they do a Marvel movie, they have to, they just kind of do Marvel style. You don't see a real, which I have no problem with, obviously. I've been a fan of the whole Marvel thing. But, uh, uh, you know, with the exception of, like, James Gunn and Taika Waititi, uh, you don't really see, like, an individual director's fingerprints on a movie. And I thought this one was going to be so tied up with, like, multiverse maintenance that... You know, it's Sam Raimi's first movie in eight years, and I was worried it wouldn't look like a Sam Raimi movie. Brother, it looks like a Sam Raimi movie. It is, it is nuts. Uh, there's, there's a uh, you know crazy whip pans, and there is a transition that in this you know billion dollar franchise that he first did in Evil Dead for thirty bucks with Bruce Campbell, but now he does it with Wong. <laughs> it, it it works so well for the tone of the movie, but it's it's like what did you have eight bucks to shoot this? It's great, I love it. Uh, it's got here's the thing. I think I think this bothered Summer more than me. Is it, it's got some pretty cheesy dialogue. You know, you can go back to hell, and that's that's because she's normal and didn't watch Army of Darkness thirty times in high school. So for me, that's how people talk when they're fighting the undead. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, there, there's a moment when the camera is at 90 degrees for for a while. It's kind of an emotional scene, too, and Elizabeth Olsen's kind of crushing it, and Sam Raimi just has the camera on its side. It is... And uh, it's, it's pretty gnarly. There are strong horror vibes, uh, including... Uh, spoilers. Uh, Doctor Strange possessing a corpse of another Doctor Strange and then making a cloak out of the souls of the damned and the souls of the damned kind of look like there was some stop motion involved and they also talk like deadites from the Evil Dead series and I was just in heaven uh, Bruce Campbell has a, a very funny cameo which kind of trades on their long history together and which I tried to hurriedly explain <laughs> Even though she didn't need all that context, but I was so pleased about it. And I managed to not excitedly point out when Sam Raimi's car appeared on screen. Uh, one thing that... here, Like, I don't like the Illuminati, and what they did here with them was quite a bit different than what they do in the comics, and it was fun. I was afraid it was going to be like a collection of cameos from uh, other Marvel things. Like we all knew Professor uh, Professor Stewart, Professor Patrick Stewart as Professor Patrick X uh, was going to be in it, and there were a lot of people saying some of the, someone from the Bad Fantastic Four movies, or like David Hasselhoff's TV movie Nick Fury, or the wild one was Tom Cruise was going to be Iron Man because he was rumored to play, that he wanted to play Iron Man in the '90s, and so was every actor, uh, and it wasn't that. They, you know, you had some alternate, ver you know, Peggy Carter was Captain 
Carter. I want to say Captain America, but that wouldn't work. Uh, Carol's friend is Captain Marvel. Uh, you get the surprise. You know, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil who plays Mr. Fantastic, because that was fun. Uh, and Black, <laughs> Black Bolt, uh, who would be new to you if you didn't watch the Inhumans miniseries that aired on ABC and was bad. Uh, but you don't really need that. You can just sort of accept, oh, this is some weird comic bullshit. And uh, I don't particularly care about Black Bolt, and the way Anson Mount plays him is extremely smug. So the thing that happens to him was absolutely delightful to me. Uh, Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness, two thumbs up. Uh, it's great. I loved it. Uh, it is sloppy and weird, but it's kind of... <laughs> it's It's been a long time since there was a Marvel movie that was really kind of sloppy and directorial and loved it. I want to see Sam Raimi make more Doctor Strange movies. Oh, he's even got an Evil Dead ending. It's tremendous. Uh, it, it hit all my buttons. Way to go, Sam. Uh, as long as we're talking, uh, this is my last piece of entertainment that is also summer-related, is the Obi-Wan Kenobi show premiered on Disney+. And uh, as discussed previously, I like The Mandalorian. I don't love it. I'm not one of those guys who's going to put it on the list of best TV shows of the year. I find it entertaining. I think Baby Yoda is uh, absolutely wonderful. Uh, there's some good work in it, but a lot of times it's it's just fine. It 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 feels like middle-aged men clanking action figures together. Uh, Book of Boba Fett I thought was just bad. Uh, I didn't get through it. I just gave up. It was it was not in any way. It, it was bad. Uh, maybe it got better. Nothing I've heard made it sound like it was getting better. So uh, I don't think I missed much. Uh, and I thought the first episode of Obi-Wan was also kind of bad. Uh, it was, I never need to see a desert planet on another Star Wars show again. They seem to have just gravitated to that as the biome where everything happens. Uh, and then uh, more spoilers. Uh, it does involve baby Princess Leia, who's 10 years old. And I will the young actress is actually really, I'm really enjoying her. She's really good and has that sort of uh, uh, the appealing bossiness of a 10-year-old princess. And I say appealing in the sense of appealing as a fictional character, not as a thing you'd have to deal with in real life. Uh, so yeah, she's, she's, she's good, but the first episode did not do anything for me. And it has this scene where these professional kidnappers slash assassins are trying to catch young Leia and they are about as competent as the wet bandits. It's, it was rough. And so I got to the end of that episode and my thought was, eh, I, I don't really, I don't really need to keep watching this I'm done and uh, Summer told me it gets real good um, and uh, she she told me to stick it out through episode 3 and even by episode 2 it was a significant improvement uh, and then the third episode where you actually have Darth Vader in it loved it 
it's great. It's my favorite of the Star Wars shows. Uh, I'll maybe talk more about it when the season's over because it's four episodes into a six-episode season, so might as well just wait that out, I guess. Um, as long as we're on Disney Plus streaming, Ms. Marvel started the uh, new series about the high school student who gets gets powers. Uh, I liked it a lot. It's very well done. It feels... Here's, this is one of the first Marvel things where it's a character I don't know at all. Uh, Ms. Marvel kind of came along after I stopped paying attention. And uh, when I tried to read, it was very... Uh, it's... The, the comic seemed intent on convincing me it was cool that a young Muslim girl was a superhero. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. That's cool. Let's do something instead of continuing to tell me that that's cool. Uh, but that's, that's, that's my issue, and it seems to have gone over very well with the, the intended audience, uh, which is people who, who uh, <laughs> need to hear that, I guess. And uh, so it's not a character I have any familiarity with. And the one thing that seemed weird but also kind of appealing is how low stakes the first episode was there are there is no threat at any point you're just kind of getting to meet her and then she gets powers and accidentally causes a commotion there are no threats so far but for an origin that's not not a bad thing i mean not every origin is tied into a, a world-threatening menace uh, I kind of wish they'd done two episodes right off like they usually do. Uh, I know they did that with all the Marvel shows last year. I don't think Moon Knight had a two-episode premiere, so maybe they're just getting away from that. Because I would sort of like to see, okay, what's the story now? But it's just, it's tremendously charming and appealing. Uh, it's just fun. You know, Teen low-stakes teen superhero, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh a lot of uh, a lot of early Spider-Man is 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 low stakes, uh, and you know there's they've tried to recapture that over the years, both Marvel and DC, and with varying degrees of success. Uh, and this is really kind of clicking for me. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, it was delightful. It was very fun. Um, and depending on where they go with it, I might get more more psyched about crazy stuff but this was this was just a fun story about a teenager in kind of a restrictive household how do i not like a story about somebody who's a big fan of superheroes you know i also think the presentation is really like the ways they they show texting on screen is kind of innovative and fun uh it seems like all texting looks like sherlock over the last 10 years and this was a new approach. I liked it a lot. More thumbs up for Ms. Marvel. Um, boy, I don't know if I'm going to have time. I wanted to talk about Top Gun Maverick, uh, but it might be a might be a longer thing. I feel like I'm already kind of pressed for time, and I don't want to wear out my welcome. Uh, so, you know, here's the short version. I think I'm going to write something about it for my website. Uh, also, that should go up this week. But 
it's it's fine. It's perfectly enjoyable while you're watching it. And then afterwards, there are things that really sort of bothered me. Uh, you know, the propaganda stuff is as bad as in the original movie. And uh, people seem really willing to overlook it. Uh, and I think we're more sophisticated now that a Navy recruiting commercial would be a little more bothersome as a feature length film. Uh, but the thing that jumps out to me and me, it's probably what keeps me from really enjoying it. It, it is the most dad, dad movie that ever dadded. It is, it is intended for people who watched the first movie with their dad and now they're making their son see it and they're having dad feelings. Uh, and I'm trying to clarify exactly what makes dad entertainment. Because you know it when you see it, like like Bosch or Tom Clancy adaptations or uh, Jack Reacher, the TV show, a little less so the movies. Uh, and I think part of it is there has to be a protagonist, always male, always that I can think of white, who is always right and everything would go better if everybody just unquestioningly, unquestioningly listened to this guy every time. That is, as soon as you have that, you've got yourself a dad show. Uh, 24, that is a dad-ass show. Uh, and I don't particularly like that kind of storytelling most of the time. Uh, and it's kind of shameless in the way it tries to hit these buttons. Uh, like, yeah, a bunch of, a bunch of young people are going to get excited over somebody playing, uh, uh, Great Balls of Fire on the piano at a bar. No, that's something your dad got excited about a song your dad got excited about and it's invoking that because he sort of passed that on to you. It's, I don't know, I was uncomfortable with the ways in which it was manipulative and uh, it, it's worthy of a longer talk, I think, both as a propaganda thing and as a uh, very much wants middle-aged men to be reassured that everything they liked as a child is still important. Uh, so yeah, not why as much fun as I had watching it afterwards, it just left a sour taste. Uh, in fact, I like Jurassic World Dominion way more than I like Top Gun Maverick, and that movie is getting slammed. But I had a fun time with that. So maybe that'll be a full episode because, guys, we've got to get to the franchise report. I took a week off. I got behind in all my franchise watching. So let's, uh... Let's catch up on the three franchises I'm plowing through now. Uh, over in Marvel, Captain America the Winter Soldier was the next movie up. And that's one that, at the time it came out, I think I I considered it the best one so far. It's still pretty near the top of my list on a rewatch. Uh, it works as a superhero movie. It works as an action movie. It works as a political thriller. Uh... I have no complaints with, with Winter Soldier. Uh, I think Sebastian Stan is a little bland, but he's kind of mind-controlled throughout this movie, so it's understandable. Uh, it's, I had a lot of fun watching it. It's one of the ones I've seen more than the others and still had a great time. Uh, and watching them in much closer, uh, closer succession than spread out over years 
like a lot of minor characters pop out more like uh shield agent who's actually a hydra agent jasper sitwell is in a bunch of movies before this one you know he's in avengers and he's in iron man 2 and i think he's in thor he's he gets around so him turning into a bad guy is a much bigger thing than a bad guy you know a nazi uh it's much bigger than it seems when you watch two movies a year uh, it also has one of my favorite lines in the Marvel movies when they, with where Artem Zola is saved on a computer and they, uh, uh, Steve and Natasha find, find him. And as he's explaining what his whole deal is and how the whole complex is his programming, and he's, you're standing inside my brain. God, I love that. It is it's so good. Uh, one thing that jumped out as weird is uh, when they're giving examples, part of it is that Hydra will have the ability to neutralize threats uh, before they become threats. Very minority report. And they mentioned Stephen Strange, who at this point was just a really arrogant brain surgeon. And it's like, did does Hydra's algorithm know he's going to become the Sorcerer Supreme? <laughs> It doesn't quite, it doesn't, especially that he'd be the one person they would point out, like, as an example of the kind of threat they were worried about. Uh, one thing I'm finding with the with the Marvel movies is when they, when they try to loosely seed something for the future, when they don't really have a plan, it, it's, it's always jarring in retrospect. Like, they're, they're, there's some stuff they were so good at setting up and other times when they just say, hey, we just want to remind you that we're going to do Doctor Strange eventually. And it's like, oh, that's a that's a that's a thud. Uh, but other than that, it's 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 so good. Uh, one thing that. Uh, this is, by the way, firmly now into the era where the credits for people who made the comics are they get their special thanks in the credits themselves. And uh, Ed Brubaker, who wrote wrote the the comics this is kind of based on because he did like a the winter soldier was an eight-year story then uh for part of it captain america was dead but stranded in time and uh it was actually kind of a lost ripoff which is astonishing because he had a constant and it was also at the same time that batman was seemingly dead and stranded in time uh but apparently ed brubaker has made more money in royalties from his or residuals off of his brief appearance in the movie as a Hydra scientist than he has for creating the Winter Soldier. Which, that's, that's a bummer. But the thing is, he didn't create Bucky Barnes. That, you know, that character was created in 1941 by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. Uh, and... I might be wrong, but I don't even think he created the name Winter Soldier. I think that was a Vietnam War thing. So it's, you know, obviously he should be getting reimbursed more so than he is. But it's also really hard to point to him as the creator of a character who existed, uh, you know, decades before he was born. And then putting that character in a Manchurian candidate scenario, which is another thing he didn't create. And it's not to demean Ed Brubaker. I mean, 
that movie wouldn't exist if not for his work but it's weird when you're building off of established characters it's so hard to you know it's so hard to come out and say oh so so and so created this character when it's like well this character is the third robin as i mean i don't know it, it bothers me uh i wish it was more equitable but also uh i i yeah i don't know i i don't know i don't know he, he gets credit for creating the winter soldier even though <sighs> look just pay the man I sort of understand why from a bookkeeping perspective uh, he's maybe not being richly compensated. It still feels wrong. I don't know. I wish I hadn't brought it up. Instead, let's talk about James Bond. Uh, I watched Live and Let Die, the first Roger Moore movie. Uh, here's the thing. This movie I remembered as being really racist. And in fact, I mean, up to a point, James Bond movies in general are fairly racist uh and but it was not as bad as i remembered it being and actually what i was maybe not prepared to deal when i i mean probably i haven't watched this movie in 20 years is it is they're trying to make a black exploitation movie uh the only problem being they are entirely white people who are trying to make it but uh you know, a lot of the, the performances seemed to me like they were, like, I don't know, like the director was pushing for dialect and vocal stylizations that you would see used by racists now. But that's, you know, you, you watch Shaft. That's how the supporting characters uh, are portrayed. Uh, it's still, there's a lot of exoticization, if that's, pronounced correctly of of black people that is uncomfortable but it's not i was honestly kind of dreading this one i actually had a fun time with it uh and a couple of performers uh yafet kato as kananga is so good uh jeffrey holder who i think it's is kind of known for seven up commercials he's kind of the main henchman he's great uh you get Jane Seymour, a young Jane Seymour as a tarot reader who loses the ability to see the future after she loses her virginity. Look, it's not all great. Uh, there are some issues. Uh, there's also Kananga dies when he gets shot with compressed air, which turns him into a balloon in maybe the worst special effect in the entire franchise. Uh, but I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, the speedboat chase is way too long. I do not like the character of comic relief racist sheriff J.W. Pepper, but I feel like he inspired Paul F. Tompkins' J.W. Stillwater character, so he gets a pass. Uh, had a lot more fun watching it than I thought. Uh, Roger Moore, I always think of as having been in three just terrible Bond movies, and this was one of them, and I ended up liking this, so we'll see if Man with the Golden Gun and Moonraker are better than I remember. Uh... But uh, it, was, it was kind of a win. And then we get to the American Pie movies. Uh, after three theatrical releases, we've reached the American Pie Presents straight-to-video series. The first one is American Pie Presents Bandcamp. It stars Stifler's brother, who is played by a different actor than when he previously appeared in movies. And due to his misdeeds, 
the principal, who is Sherman from the previous movies, a character and performance that are completely unappealing, uh, sentences him to attend band camp, even though he does not play an instrument. And I don't think the school can make you do something during the summer. They can make you go to summer school. That's about it. The premise is weak. Uh, and here's the thing. I'm going to come right out and say it's not great. It's, it's not even good. It is the one I enjoyed watching the most so far out of the four. It's... Part of it, I think, is it's so... It's so openly a... It's so openly what it is. Uh, like, that getting sentenced to band camp thing is a... That would be in a Simpsons parody of a teen sex comedy. Uh, also, the nerd builds a robot that he can use to spy on girls in the shower, which I am so sick of this series and its voyeurism. But also, that's another thing that would be in a Simpsons parody. And something about the fact that they actually just did it is is very funny to me. Uh, it's actually a little sweeter than the movies. Uh, uh, Stifler's brother is less appalling a character than Stifler, or frankly, Jim. And it does not prevent sex or present sex as an as a reward for eventually doing the right thing. So it's it's less toxic than past movies. And if you made me watch a achoo, 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 achoo. sorry, I couldn't reach the button in time to pause. Uh, if you were to make me watch an American Pie movie. Ad, I'm really sorry. Like I said, storm's coming. I don't have time to edit. But if you were to make me watch one of the first four American Pie movies, I Bandcamp, that's the one I'd pick. Uh, still not great. It does have the thing I laughed hardest at in the series so far, which is in the credits, where uh, uh, when it gets to the cast, it says cast in cast list order, which... It, no shit, it's the cast list. It's inherently in cast list order. <laughs> like, maybe it was going to be in order of appearance, and then they decided not to because they wanted Eugene Levy to be first. And for <laughs> cast list, in cast list order. Cool. Hey, you know what L order the alphabet is in? Alphabetical order. I laugh very hard at that. Uh, now, the question we have to face every week is would I rather watch Ameri the fourth American Pie movie American Pie Band presents Bandcamp over the fourth movie directed by Zack Snyder which in this case was the animated uh, uh, Legends of the Guardians the Owls of Gahul which is a fantasy epic starring owls it was kind of a famous flop uh, I haven't seen it it's it looks ridiculous uh, Sam, not Sam Raimi, the other Sam, told me that I should watch it for as long as I can stand because it's weird. Uh, so I got to give it to Zack Snyder on this one. I think I'd rather try to watch The Owls of Gahul over watching Bandcamp again. Right now, Zack's got a three, it's three to one 
which seems insurmountable, but we are starting to reach uh, what I call the morally repellent phase of his directing career. So we'll see where future installments take us. Uh, and hey, that's it. Uh, my breathing is rapidly falling apart, so I don't want to have my gross voice uh, mess up a Tease by Summer ad, so let me just remind you that Tease by Summer is great. Is wonderful t-shirts and mugs and water bottles uh and as previously discussed a really uh a really great friend who deserves uh who deserves all your support and riches frankly so buy something uh that's it i will talk more about top gun maverick and dad movies next week uh check out the apive i think i'm gonna write something about it also uh my voice is falling apart fast. I am having difficulty breathing because of allergies. So you know where you can find me on social media. If not, listen to last week's episode where I spell everything out. Uh, falling apart. I need to get off the air. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Fed Talks is a full boys production. Wah, 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 wah.